This is All the Cool Parts, number 33. What's up, everybody? Welcome to All the Cool Parts, number 33. I'm your host, Anthony Joseph Landman. On this episode, it's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to be talking about people's classical music story. And uh, how this idea came about was me telling my story to somebody who asked me, you know, what got me into classical music. And I told that story and I thought it'd be interesting to ask other people their stories. You know, we live in a society where most of us uh, aren't raised on classical music. I mean, some of us certainly are, but most of us aren't. And most of us grow up with popular music and rock music and whatever. Uh, And I was certainly one of those people. And so for a lot of people, there was like this defining moment where they discovered somehow uh, classical music and it just, that was it for them. And from then, you know, that point on, Uh, They were completely into classical music and many times and many examples, they went into classical music, uh, making it their livelihood and 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 their passion and all that stuff. So I thought I would uh, basically ask people, you know, what, you you know, send me your classical music story. And I put out a call on Twitter and Facebook and on the All the Cool Parts website And I got several responses and uh, some really cool stories that I'm going to share with you today. And so we'll be hearing uh, people's story. I'll be hearing the music that inspired them to get into classical music. So I thought I would start by telling my own story of how I got into classical music. And uh, basically, it was like a lot of kids. Uh, I grew up on rock music. And when I was a teenager, I loved metal and metal seems to be uh, from from what I gathered from other people this sort of gateway to classical music uh, because there's a, a lot of uh, things that happen in a lot of metal music um, that provide a, a nice door you know <laughs> transition to classical music so uh, I was you know a metal kid I played in a metal band and uh, Anyway, this was probably the early 90s, and I really liked this band called Faith No More, and they had come out with their second album. Um, I don't remember what year it was, early 90s, and there was a song on the album called Malpractice, which is a really hardcore song. Uh, But anyway, at the end of the song, towards the end, they have a uh, sample from a string quartet. And I just thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And uh, I had no idea what it was. So I went into the CD and uh, read the liner notes and found out that it was a sample taken from Dmitry Shostakovich's eighth string quartet from an album by somebody named Kronos Quartet, right? Uh, and the album was called Black Angels. And I thought, well, you know, that sounds cool. So I went to the record store 
which back then, you know, you, you went to the physically went to the record store, right? You know, couldn't just uh, get it on your computer. So I physically went to the record store and found the CD of uh, Kronos Quartet, Black Angels, and uh, put it on and was freaked out by the first piece, uh, Black Angels, by George Crumb. I mean, I'd never heard anything like that before. Uh, it, it was just wow. And then uh, I listened to the Shostakovich, and really the Shostakovich just you know, that, that was it. That was the moment right there when I heard that piece and, uh, I was just completely blown away by it. And from that point on, I think that was the, the moment that really uh, got me into classical music. And I started devouring music, you know, mostly new music because that was my introduction, uh, with Shostakovich. That was my, that was my moment right there. And, uh, you know, I went on to go to music school and be a composer and do podcasts like this. And I think, uh, what I have in common with all these other people that I asked that I'm going to talk about their stories is it that they had that moment, that one moment, um, that sort of changed the direction of their lives forever. So I'm going to go into some of these stories now and, some of the responses that I got were very short and to the point. Some of them were more elaborate and uh, more descriptive. And I'm just going to go down in the order that I received them, basically. Uh, the first response I got was from composer Christopher Stark. And Christopher said, Sergeant Peppers and the Rite of Spring, everything else has been but a footnote to these two things. Wow, that sort of rhymes like poetic. I wonder if he meant that. Um, so yeah, the rite of spring for many composers uh, was that moment um, where they were, you know, just blown away by a piece. So Christopher, we're gonna listen to a little bit of the rite of spring, and this is the piece that did it for him. <laughs> Thank you. 
the next response I received was from Dennis Bathery Kitts, and I, Kitts, I hope I'm saying that right. I'm probably not. Um, but uh, Dennis uh, is a composer who lives in Vermont and also uh, was a co-host of a long-running radio program uh, that interviewed you know, contemporary living composers called Calvos and Damien's New Music Bazaar. Uh, and he says the piece that did it for him was Siegfried's Funeral March of Wagner. Um, he said he pressed the wrong button on the radio uh, opposite W-A-B-C-A-M, then a huge pop station, and suddenly there was this exotic music. I never pressed the AM button again. <laughs> so here's the piece that did it for Dennis. This is Wagner's Siegfried's Funeral March. Our next response came from Adam Raguzia. He is uh, a composer, musician, and he's also the morning edition host over at WMUM 89.7 FM, uh, the Georgia public broadcasting station. He said, I was into Pantera and death. And when I heard Rouse's Gorgon, it was all over. So uh, he's referring to uh, Christopher Rouse's piece, Gorgon. And so we'll hear a little bit of that now. Our next response came from Noah Luna, a composer uh, out in San Francisco. And uh, his was the shortest response that I got, but I figured I would, uh, you know, include it. He just said, Queen, Nuff said. So I don't know what piece he's talking about. I'm assuming maybe he's talking about Bohemian Rhapsody, but I don't really know. Um, So he didn't uh, specify a piece of music, so... 
I'm not really going to play anything, but I thought I would include his response. Um, I also heard from Jeremy Basso. He's the band director at Terre Haute North High School. And uh, he says, I remember in eighth grade band, we played a piece of program music that was about a guy getting his head chopped off. I've loved anything by Berlioz ever since. So he's referring to, of course, the huge piece of Berlioz, the Symphonie Fantastique. And we'll hear a little bit about, uh, well, not about that, because I'm not going to talk about it, but we'll hear a little bit of it right now. I heard from Nick Vassallo. Nick is a composer and educator, uh, and he's also a singer in a metal band called Oblivion out in the uh, Bay Area in uh, California. Um, he says it was for him. It was a movie called Running on Empty, uh, and it began an epic search for the piano song River Phoenix played. Uh, he says I went to dozens of classical music stores. Uh, none of them had it. I finally took a music class in college and bam, that's what he said. Bam. That was it. Um, still my favorite piano solo piece of the, uh, early 18th century. And, uh, the, uh, piece he's talking about is the Mozart Fantasia in C minor K 475. Uh, he also says, thanks to Bruce cook, my first piano and composition teacher who told me the identity of the piece And he also says, Running on Empty is a movie about a kid who wants to study music, but his parents don't want him to leave the family. Such an inspiring movie. 
So I feel like I should probably have seen this movie, um, but I haven't. So I will probably go out and watch it. Um, But anyway, here's a little bit of that Mozart piece that fueled Nick's passion for classical music. I also heard from Brent Gordon McPike. He's a professor of guitar at Indiana State University. And he says, uh, basically he talks about what kept him going as a, you know, a classical guitar student when he first started studying uh, in his late teens. He says uh, some of the great Latin American guitar works of Barrios, Villalobos, uh, Laro, and Bach's Partita Number no. 1 in B minor for solo violin a couple of movements of which really kept me, uh, sorry, really moved me and kept me motivated. But I almost forgot the one that made me feel like a classical concert guitarist at about the age of 19, so this is my answer. It was the Allegro movement of Alan Hovannis's Sonata for Guitar. My teacher gave it to me to play, and I don't even know the rest of the work, strangely, but I really loved playing it. So this is the piece that you know, sparked Brent's passion for classical music. Uh, we'll hear a little bit of Alan Hovannis's Sonata for Guitar.
Uh, next, I got a, a message from Sebastian Piedra, uh, a classical guitarist living in Houston, Texas. And he says, My father is a musician himself, and being quite the eccentric, had a large collection of different, and I mean different, types of music. Since we weren't the richest family in the world, I spent my time listening to much of it. A pastime of ours was going to the local thrift shop and picking out uh, what to listen to next, basically. CDs, vinyl, tape, anything uh, that we either chose at random or somehow piqued our interest and was cheap. One day, sometime in the mid-90s, I must have been seven or eight years old, we went about our musical scavenging, and I came across a CD compiled by Guitar Player Magazine focusing on classical guitar. I had listened, uh, sorry, I'd listened to guitar music before, as well as classical music before, but I have never really, really listened to it, and never quite like this. The first track on the CD was David Tannenbaum playing Scarlatti's Sonata in D Major K336, which to a young, musically open-minded boy was like a nuclear bomb going off. It changed the way I lived and saw everything. Because of that track, I came to heaps of other excellent composers later in my life. Bach, Gina Stera, Ponce, Muley, Mozart, etc. I became a classical guitarist because of it. Very early on, I incorporated it into my repertoire, if not for that sonata, a bit of Scarlatti's other music. Whenever my father and I get a chance, we do go back to that thrift shop, and I guess it sort of makes us feel as if we're not getting older, or that the next piece of great unexplored music is right under our noses. Uh, so that was a great story, Sebastian. Thanks for that. And we'll hear a little bit of David Tenenbaum playing Scarlatti's Sonata in D Major, K336. Shortly after receiving Sebastian's message, I received a response from Anne Majette, uh, who is the classical music columnist at the Washington Post. And she had a very uh, interesting story. I think she's uh, one of those people that did grow up with classical music and discovered it very early. But she has a very, a very cool story. And it's still one of those stories that, you know, she heard a piece of music and that was kind of it, you know, it started her path down, uh, you know, the, it, to the classical music world. Um, she says, 
Uh, my real introduction to classical music, and she puts that in quotes, came when my uncle starred in Bernstein's, Bernstein's Mass when I was five years old. And she says, I put classical music in quotes because not everyone considers that piece classical music. Uh, I've written about this a couple of times, but it was certainly a seminal experience. Uh, the cast album from the premiere in Washington 1971 became the first LP that I devoured. Sitting by my record player in the afternoons, memorizing it word for word, I thought it was a perfect piece. I was six. So uh, let's hear a little bit from Bernstein's really uh, eclectic and huge work, his mass. And finally, I got a message from a very old friend of mine, uh, Michael Power. Uh, Mike used to, I, uh, I went to high school with Mike. He was a drummer and, and is a drummer, a, a really talented drummer. And Mike was the drummer in my band when I was in high school and, and shortly after high school. Um, and uh, Mike says... As a little boy, I used to listen to only one piece of classical music, candidly the only piece my father knew. He was the one who shared his connection with music with me. At first I was unappreciative, but I suppose him forcing me to listen to uh, to this piece over the years finally sunk in. The piece is Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov's Scheherazade. Uh, although the subject matter of this music is quite deliberate, it truly conjures many different emotions for me personally. Uh, which is exactly what I love about music. There is powerful brass and bass in the movements, especially movement one, the sea and Sinbad's ship, but the woodwinds dance lightly throughout the piece. Uh, it really brings out a sense of struggle and serenity when I listen to it. I've often wished of playing some of this piece with a Meshuggah-esque polyrhythmic sense. <laughs> when all is said and done, my father passed away nearly two years ago. It is one of my fondest memories of him. Listening to the struggle and serenity of Scheherazade as I recall his struggles with alcohol and his hopeful serenity in death. Uh, thanks, Michael, for that, that beautiful story. And with that, we'll listen to the last piece of the last story of the show, Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov's Scheherazade. <laughs>
That is going to do it for this episode of All the Cool Parts. If you'd like to send us a message, and please do, email allthecoolparts at blogspot.com. You can look at our blog at allthecoolparts.blogspot.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash anthonylandman. And I'd also like to mention that I'm very excited to be joining the soundnotion.tv network of podcasts of music podcasts and they do a lot of great music podcasts over there classical music um their kind of flagship program i guess is uh sound notion and uh they also have a podcast about uh, film music called streamers and punches um they have a well i don't they had a podcast called music is hard which i loved and uh, I think you can still get that on iTunes, although I think they've stopped doing that. And they have you know, more exciting podcasts on the way, all about music. So if you're a music nerd like me, um, I would check that out seriously. And we are excited to be part of their network. So we will see you guys all next time for a new episode later. <laughs>